I'm going to read you two brief passages from the book of Exodus this morning. The first one is a portion of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city. How many of you know God is serious about rest when he's saying, let your animals rest too? God's serious about rest. And then God reminds Moses of this in Exodus 31, the Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout their generations as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. There is the God that never sleeps or gets tired, giving us an example of how significant rest is. And this Trinity Church is God's word. You may be seated. I want to, Eric, you are exceedingly the man. Thank you. This morning, I want to talk to you about about rest. Here we are going into the summertime, and certainly for many of us, hopefully dreams of vacations are dancing in our head. Um, Rest is something that we all need, obviously that God wants us to have, and generally speaking, we're really bad at it. Now, some of us get maybe too much rest. We need to be told to look alive, wake up a little bit, do something. But for a lot of us in in our culture, uh, we just really rest is something that doesn't come easy. That is why God had to make it a commandment. And then even after making it one of the big 10, he is still having to come to Moses saying, hey, remind everybody, I'm serious about this. I want people to rest, rest from their labor, rest for the Lord, but there comes a point on a regular basis where we are meant to set aside all work and just to to rest. In the Old Testament era, there were pretty stiff penalties for this. In the New Testament era, we're not under Old Testament law, and yet this is still a principle that God would have us carry over, the principle of rest, of sitting aside, aside time just to be, to be human beings instead of human doings, and you would think that that would be easy because we would all say, yes, I want a break. I would love to rest, and yet we're really, we're really bad at it. And how many of you have experienced this? You finally get some time off, you have a day off, or you get a few days off and go on vacation, and you somehow manage to come back to it more tired or just as tired as when you started. Now, if you're vacationing with little kids, that's a whole different thing. Because vacationing with little kids is not really vacationing. It's just parenting in unfamiliar environments. That's what that is. But um, we've got to learn to rest. I want to give you, I read an article this week by a guy named Brock Henry. I want to give you uh, seven quick signs. These aren't up there or anything, but that you're too busy. One, you can't remember the last day you took a day off. Or I would slip in, you can't remember the last time a day off felt like a day off. Second, uh, those closest to you have stopped asking for your time. Why? They know you're too busy. They know you're going to say, I'm sorry, daddy's got a this. They, they maybe asked for a while, but they've stopped asking. There are crickets when it comes to that. It's not a good sign. 
Uh, Third, activities like eating are always done while doing something else. Eating while emailing, eating in the car, eating while doing something. If you're always eating while doing something else, you're probably too busy. A fourth sign, you're consistently more tired whenever you get up in the morning than you were before you went to bed. Sleep is meant to be the body's reset. And so if we're exhausted even after we sleep, that's not a great sign. Uh, Number five, the most exercise you get is sprinting from one thing to the other. Number six, you dread getting up in the morning. You don't want to get up and face the day. And then seven, lastly, survival mode is your only mode. You always feel like you're just surviving. Here's the deal. God has, by the way, sermon notes are available at trinitywax.info if you want to follow along today. But here's the first point. God has not made us for lives of nonstop activity. He just hasn't. He hasn't made you to perpetually be in motion, accomplishing, doing, getting this done, getting that done. He has designed you to live in such a way where there are times where you are getting nothing done and you like it. Times where you're getting nothing done and you like it. Have you guys ever heard of of the vine kudzu? Yes, oh my gosh. If you've ever dealt with that, it's impossible to get rid of. Kudzu is a vine that was accidentally brought here from Southeast Asia And whenever this thing gets planted, it puts down roots up to 100 feet deep and it spreads like wildfire. So that whenever you first get it, perhaps in your yard, you would say, I have kudzu. But if you don't take care of it rapidly, pretty soon, kudzu is going to have you. And this is sort of like it is with an overwhelming schedule of responsibilities. In the beginning, you have a lot to do. Eventually, a lot to do has you. And you're not sure how to get out from under it. I just want to remind you that rest is needed. You don't have to feel bad about it. You should make time for it. Rest is needed. So I want to give you four specific areas this morning where I believe God would like you to have rest and we can ground this scripturally. It's a really simple message this morning. I want you to chill a little bit. Will you receive that message? You should. So the first one is simply this, rest from responsibilities. You need rest from responsibilities. One of the interesting things you see in Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament and the Gospels, there's frequently mentioned the term preparation day. It's not just that God gave his people a Sabbath. The day before became known as Preparation Day. And on Preparation Day, you would basically get everything done that you need to get done that day so the next day could be really off, right? I mean, have you ever gotten to your day off and you just spend all day doing all the stuff? That was me this week, all day in the yard, trying to get it mowed before. You're like, how big is your yard? It's a lot of yard. And I don't know how to fix lawnmowers. And so I'm always in trouble with it. And so, but I spent all day on the mower. I had to, I also broke my weed eater. So I had to go borrow a weed eater. And then I'm using an unfamiliar weed eater. And so the whole idea though, is that if you get to your off day and then it's filled up with catching up on other things, that's not really a day off of responsibilities, is it? And on one hand, we could say, well, it's just not realistic. I'm just saying 
If we don't learn and find a way to take a break from responsibilities, eventually responsibilities will break us. We will feel like we can never breathe. And you see that God does not expect us to live in such a way where we're always doing stuff. Whether that is having a regular Sabbath or it is just saying, hey, it's the end of a day. I'm going to be done. All of this will be waiting on me tomorrow. And guess what? It will be. But you see at a point where Jesus had sent his disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God and they come back to him. The apostles gathered around Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 6, and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Has anybody ever felt like that? And so you see Jesus here saying, hey, this isn't good. Let's get away for a while. Nobody can burn the candle at both ends forever. And so you might be the type of the high motor where you just say, hey, I'd rather burn out than rust out. I just don't want you to be out. Either way, you're out if you burn out or you rust out. So let's not wear ourselves out. Jesus says, hey, let's withdraw and let's get a little break. Interestingly, in this passage, people see Jesus and his disciples leaving by boat and they run ahead of them to the place where they're going, which shows you how serious we do have to be about rest from responsibilities because sometimes you will do your best and stuff will still come up. Sometimes you will do your best and crisis will happen and suddenly you're in the middle of it without opportunity to rest. You can go out of balance for a time. But just like whenever you're driving your car and a tire is out of balance, you can ignore it for a little while. But eventually it's going to blow out, right? And so we have to be serious about resting from responsibility. One of the things I noticed, I think as far back as whenever I was a teenager, is you turn on the news and on a regular basis, whoever the sitting president is, is being criticized for having the audacity to do something like golf or go to Camp David or go on a walk. And so what happens is presidents are followed everywhere. And so footage has gotten of them doing anything and everything. And so you'll see a president on the golf course, and then somebody of the opposing party will come on and say, how dare this president be amusing himself with golf while the world is burning? This is why I care truly about America. And if you will vote for me in the next election, I truly care about the American people. He doesn't care about the American people. And which one of them am I talking about? All of them. None of them care about the American people. How could they? Going out and playing golf. Here's the thing. None of us is so important that we can occasionally take a breather. I would even go so far as to say the more important you are and the more valuable what you do is, the more important working in periodic times of rest is because eventually you will have a nervous breakdown or you will burn out. And whenever you have a nervous breakdown or you burn out, Stacy, remember when that happened to me? It's a long road back, baby. And what you find out 
is that it's not any one thing. It's living a life with no rest, living a life with no perspective. It's systematic. So you've got to be willing to work in regular breaks from responsibility so God can refresh you. Speaking of this whole precedence thing, I read where one of the, um, one of the former press secretaries said this. I'm not even going to tell you which one it's about. But he said this, in the end, it's not about the optics. In other words, in the end, we can't worry that someone's going to take a picture of the president playing golf. It's about doing your job. And if the president is doing his, which he is, we should all be able to appreciate the fact that he's taking the opportunity to be a dad, a husband, and even a leader of the free world who can clear his head on a golf course, who can put it all down for a few minutes and really walk away. Presidents need that. Do you know who else needs that? Yes, you. All of us do. We've got to be able to walk away every once in a while. And one of the reasons we often don't is because we carry this overly important sense of self or we battle with the expectations of others. And that's another thing you need rest from. Number two, you need rest from the expectations of others. Who's putting it all on you? I don't know, but they're not right. Nobody important is putting the weight of the world on your shoulders. You guys know I've been here a little over a year and a half now. Crystal and I have served here. I've probably mentioned this passage at least half a dozen times. It's one of my favorites. But in Mark chapter one, you see Jesus at Simon Peter's house ministering into the night. He goes there, he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and it says the town gathers around the door of that house. And into the evening, into the night, Jesus is ministering to people. He's teaching them things they'd never heard. He's healing them of physical sickness. He's casting out demons. How many of you know if you're doing that, you are setting yourself up rightfully as a person who can meet needs in the most powerful of ways? But even Jesus, when he was limited in this human body, could not go 24-7, seven days a week, meeting everybody's needs. And so it says this, early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. You might be saying, that does not sound very restful. To work into the night, and then to get up very early in the morning while it is still dark. Here's the thing. Rest is not just the absence of activity. Rest is not just the ability to sleep. Rest is also found in the presence of God. And I think what Jesus knew was something that a lot of parents have learned or a lot of us in different stages that if we don't get up in the early morning hours and get with God, oftentimes too many things get to us before it can happen. I'm not saying you have to do your thing early in the morning. I'm just saying you have to do your thing. You have to be in the presence of God in a time that will refresh you. And so Jesus is out seeking his father, seeking God's wisdom for the day and for the days ahead. I imagine late that night, they eventually had to send everybody home because at that point, even Jesus needed some sleep. And so Jesus is out praying and guess what happens? Verse 36, Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. And so I just want you to notice two things right here. First, 
Everyone had been looking for Jesus and he wasn't available. Now we're talking about human body limited Jesus right now, okay? You can pray, you can go to God at any time. But in this moment, in his human body, everyone was looking for Jesus and he was not available. Do you realize sometimes it's okay to not be available? Sometimes it's okay to not be available for people to be after you, to want your time or to need something from you, but you really can't be available 24 seven. Well, if Jesus was loving it, hey, Jesus had a fully human body at this moment and the man was not available. And one of the ways that we make ourselves overly available is not just saying yes to too many things, which we can do, help us Jesus, but also we carry around this thing. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me. It's called a phone. And when we carry this thing around, it means that unless we know how to put on that magical little moon button called do not disturb, it means we will always be available to everyone. So that if you leave your family or you leave your roommates, you just get off somewhere alone to spend some time alone with God, but you are constantly doing this, you are not free from the expectations of others. I've got to get back to them right now and then I'll get right back to this. And then pretty soon, getting right back to this has taken you 13 minutes. And then it's like, why did I even try this? I might as well just, I might as well just go. I might as well just get back to it. It's okay to be unavailable. I got to tell you with this, if I live my life by this, and sometimes my family has to tell me not to live my life by this. Addie, you told me that the other day, didn't you? She goes, dad. And then she just laid down some truth on me. Here's the thing. (laughs) When it comes to the expectations of others, you've got to decide who to disappoint. You've got to decide who to disappoint. You can disappoint someone that sends you a text and wants an answer right then, or you can disappoint people you love because you don't want to disappoint people that are texting you wanting an answer right then. But you got to make a choice and you don't need to live under the expectations of others. So what you see is that people were looking for Jesus and he chose not to be available to that moment. And then you see next verse, he said to them, they come and say, everyone's looking for you. So you would think, oh, Jesus loves people. So he's going to say, well, let's go see what they need. Did Jesus say that? And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. That is why I have come. Didn't Jesus love people? Yes. But just to say it again, in this human body, he was limited in energy, effort, and, and time. He, and he was limited by purpose. And that's another thing. You will only be able to handle disappointing people if you were clear on what God has made you for. God has not made you to meet everybody's needs. You can't. So you might as well lay that burden down of expectation to meet everybody's needs. And so Jesus said, we've got to move on to another town. So people were looking for Jesus and he wasn't available. Did he disappoint? Yes. People wanted him to come to this meeting, to this place, to that, and he couldn't do that and fulfill what God had put him on earth for. And he just had to live with that. 
And if we don't know what God has put us on the earth for, we won't be able to live with it. We will be under a cloud of guilt and condemnation, but I will just tell you again, friends, choose who to disappoint because you're gonna disappoint somebody. If Jesus disappointed people, hey, I'm gonna disappoint people too, and so are you. Guess what? That's okay. That's okay. So one, rest from responsibilities. Two, rest from expectations. Three is this, rest from self-determination. Rest from self-determination. Is that hoity-toity? Here's what I mean. Rest from feeling like you are the God of your own life, like you have to be, like you have to keep it all spinning, like you have to have it all strategized, like it is all up to you, and if you don't handle it and do all the things, it won't be done and the whole world is gonna fall apart. Rest, Sabbath, and even just calling it a day at a decent time is always an act of faith, isn't it? If you're a driven person who really feels like you have important things that you've been trusted with in life, rest is always an act of faith. And so what we see in scripture God takes this so seriously, he's talking to the Israelites about how they handled stress in wartime. And this is what God says in Isaiah chapter 30, woe to the rebellious children, this is the Lord's declaration, they carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will piling sin on top of sin without asking my advice, they set out to go down to Egypt in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. We don't have time to lay out all the circumstances of this, but can you just feel the weight? If we don't take care of ourselves, ain't nobody gonna take care of us. We've got to do this. And whenever we as, as Christians, as people who supposedly worship and depend on God, live as if he is unwilling to help or like we've got to work it all out, we will find ourselves making plans, but not God's plans. We will find ourselves making alliances or business decisions or whatever that are against God's will. Why? We don't have time to rest and just pray about it. We don't have time just to be in his presence and be refreshed. And here's what God would say to them, and here's what I think he would say to us today. For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, you will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. But you are not willing. I tell you, sometimes that's the truth of the matter behind us feeling exhausted and frazzled. That God has rest for us, that he wants us to rest, but we are not willing. We're, we'd rather feel anxious and active than to feel passive by sitting in the presence of God. But here's the thing. In God's presence, he will speak words to you that will unravel years of anxiety. That can happen. He can give you a sense of direction through spending time in his word and just seeing what his priorities are or by a prompting of the Holy Spirit that will be the wisdom that you need. 
you don't have to work everything out by yourself. You have a God. I told you all before about the a time when we lived in North Carolina and I was unloading all the things I was frustrated with about our ministry and eventually this is probably going to happen and this is going to be really tough. And Crystal said, hey, you kind of talk like God's not even involved in our lives or ministry. It's true. So rest from self-determination. You have a God. He hasn't just made the world and leaned back and said, I'm just going to see what they do now. He has offered himself and his guidance to those of us who will have it. So will we. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. I want to be willing to have all the help God would offer. And then fourth this morning, we need rest from the burdens of religion. It is really easy for those of us who love God and really want to do what is right for him. We really want to live his way. We really hate our sin. We want him to to grow through and in our lives to change us. It's really easy that while we're feeling that way, instead of leaning into the rest that Jesus would give us, we heap condemnation and weight on ourselves so that our relationship with God is itself a source of anxiety and stress rather than a place of refuge and a place where we run for help. Remember, Jesus said this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember Jesus' tough words to the religious leaders of that day. You tie up heavy burdens and you put them on people's shoulders and you yourself aren't willing to lift a finger to help carry them. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you feel stressed, if you feel weighed down, his invitation is to come to him for rest, not to come to him for burdens and for more things to do. And that's the difference it's often been said, and I believe rightly, between the gospel and between religion. In religion, you have a lot of things to do. The gospel celebrates what was done for you. That's a tremendous difference. In a religion, eightfold paths, a million different commandments, do all these things so you can be right with God. In the gospel, a relationship with him, we celebrate what Jesus has done to make us right with God. That brings us rest, and that brings us peace. In fact, that's why we're taking communion this morning as a way of driving this home, celebrating what Jesus has done. Here's what Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, I want to go ahead and invite the worship team up. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says this, what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. In other words, he's saying, what I'm about to say is the most important thing of everything we know and do. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
of first importance isn't anything you have done, my friends, or anything you have to do. Of first importance is what was done for you. What was done for you. And so I just want to say to you this morning, he loves you and he has come to give you rest. He loves you.